Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio. Vision Kids! Problem solved. The story. I would often go to a lot of hospital appointments, a lot of doctor's appointments. I'd spend a lot of time in the car driving back and forth from appointments. And I'd be very emotional and very upset and I'd be thinking the worst, but I would put on worship music and I would just praise. And and I remember saying to someone that my tears were loud and so I'd turn up the volume even louder to drown out my tears and to drown out my thoughts. And it became a real weapon for me is to just praise God because it was all I could do. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have the conclusion of our three-part series with Aaron and Nick DeVincentis. Last time we heard some light-hearted stories that Nick shared about their lives, which were taken from some of her sermons at Life Ministry Centre in Melbourne. The time before that, they shared how they met and married. And today we'll hear more of that conversation as things turn a bit more serious. As we've heard before, Nick likes to plan things and be in control. But suddenly, she found that things weren't going to plan and that she and her husband Aaron were struggling to have children. Sadly, she found out that this was just the beginning of some severe health challenges. Today, Aaron and Nick share how their faith helped them through this journey. Once again, they're chatting with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Welcome back to the program, Aaron and Nick DeVincentis. Thanks for having us, Eric. Good to be back. Yeah, glad to have you with us once again. And so we kind of had a lighthearted chat last time, got to know that you're real people and you're not afraid of being real in public. <laughs> That's right. And sharing in sermons. Yep. And unfortunately, you've gone through some very real challenges that we're going to talk about today. And it all started off with you finding out that you couldn't have children. Is that right? Yeah, so Aaron and I got to the point in our marriage where we thought it's time to start trying to have a family. And I'm a planner and mm-hmm. an organiser. Mm-hmm. I like to know when things are happening. You like to take charge. We got I that. I do <laughs> like to take charge. Yes, I'm glad you've picked that up. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, um, we'll start and, you know, I'll have a baby at this time and great. And I got all worked out, planned mind. out, yep. mapped out. Mm-hmm. And it didn't go according mm-hmm. to plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, we struggled to conceive and I went to the doctor and she didn't think there was anything to worry about. And so, you know, just keep trying. Uh, I could you know, I could talk for ages, mm. but it was discovered that I had some large cysts on each of my ovaries and that they needed to come out. And so I had to have a operation and this was the reason the doctors thought that, okay, well, this is probably why you can't conceive because mm-hmm. of these cysts. Mm-hmm. And I had to have a very large operation because they were so big. It was quite a, a complicated surgery. Well, I, let me just back up. This yeah. is a double blow. You're finding out you have these cysts. Yes. And you might not be able to have children. Well, at that point, it wasn't that we might not be able to. It was that this is the reason that mm. you're probably not able to oh, okay. conceive because you've got this health issue. And mm. so they were very much like, we need to just get these out. And so that's where we're at. It was a little bit more complicated than that in that they didn't see it being a big issue for Nicole at her age, believe it or not. Oh, really? And this is not to the public health sector is fantastic, right? They're good people. They do they do the best they can with mm. the resources they have. But Nicole was not a priority in that no. operation. Oh, really? No. Well, because I was young and my blood tests results didn't show anything nasty or, mm. or concerning. Mm. And so I was actually, I remember being in the doctor's office and she goes, Nicole, you're just going to have to wait for this operation because I've got women out there in far worse situations mm. than you. 
Which makes sense, right? Yeah. It was quite fair and reasonable. Okay. But obviously, everyone has a sense of urgency for their own oh, yeah. personal circumstance. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I was immediately thinking, as were Nicole's folks, we need to rectify this. Mm. Sooner rather than later. We're not going to sit on our hands here. Mm. We were talking potentially six months before we would get the opportunity to get an operation. Oh, wow. Mm. We didn't actually have private health cover at the time. And so my parents very generously said, we're going to pay for you to have this surgery privately. And we look back on that and that was such a godsend because I would hate to think if we did have to wait, how things might have outworked. Mm. So I had the surgery. Yep. So had the surgery that was done by us. We booked her in, got her to have the surgery. And at that stage, we were just talking about removing cysts. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember saying to the doctor, please leave my ovaries in because they yep. knew that we wanted children. Yeah. And yep. they were pretty strategic in that as well. And I remember that night, Nicole going into surgery. And I remember being fairly nonchalant about it in that I, I was fairly confident that this was a routine thing, mm-hmm. that it was just a happen chance thing mm-hmm. that Nicole was going through and that it was going to be a pretty close chapter. And then after Nicole's surgery was successful, they obviously take biopsies of these things. They had to remove my ovary on one side. And it was then that the surgeon came in and got us together. And I thought, this is a bit strange. Why why are we all meeting here? Like, this is all very formal. Uh, So is that kind of your first indication? Yeah, yeah. I started to think something had Mm -hmm. gone south here potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, that was when he came in and said, we found um, cancerous cells Mm. on one of the... um, Ovaries, wasn't it? And yeah, so it was it. ovarian cancer. Mm. On, we had to remove it. On one side. Mm. Yeah. And on one cyst was, was cancerous and the other one was, was borderline. Yeah. And mm. so that was a shock Yeah, because they said all along that's probably not cancer and then, well, now it is. Yeah. And so they were shocked, we were shocked, and it mm. was like, wow. So that was, yeah. and that I was think a big that moment. I imagine mm. this is how everyone feels when they go through a personal crisis like this, particularly of this type of thing, mm-hmm. is that they're like, hang on a minute, this is happening to us? And it was very much like mm-hmm. that. It was like, this is not mm-hmm. us. How does this that happen? That happens to other people. Yeah. 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 That doesn't yeah. happen yeah. to me. Yeah. That's on TV. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you're disconnected from mm-hmm. that as mm-hmm. we are in our yeah. amazing lifestyles, you know, yeah. where we are, you know. Mm-hmm. So so that was a very big jolt and yeah. a bit of a, whoa, I'm awake a wake-up moment. Yeah. 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 And certainly for Nicole's folks as well. But that was the first key moment that God had intervened with a sense of urgency because she had stage one, by definition it was stage one ovarian cancer. Now, stage one ovarian cancer very rarely produces symptoms. That's what makes it so deadly. Okay? Oh, okay. So Nicole's in a very unique position that it had become cystic, and so therefore we could act upon it. Oh, so I see. So the fact that you didn't wait the six yeah. months becomes it's crucial. Quite rare. Oh, it's yeah. quite rare. It's very rare to yeah. get diagnosed. At stage one. Yeah. It's generally stage two, three, four. So you got it early. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and that was because we had God. the operation early. Yeah. God was yeah. in that. So that was providence there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember very clearly I had the diagnosis that day and I'm still recovering because I'd had it. My stomach was sliced open and so I was a slow recovery. Mm-hmm. And I was hobbling along the corridors of the hospital in the middle of the night and I remember very clearly being at peace and mm. I'm not a, as I said, I'm, I like to be in control. Hmm. I'm quite intense sometimes. And, and I you're just a, told you're not going to be in control. Yeah. Mm. And I'd just been given this news. And so for me to feel such overwhelming peace, I knew that was God. Mm. And it was, it was just like it was clothed around me. And I also remember very clearly God telling me to go back to my bed and to read Romans 8 in the Bible. Mm. 
I remember that very, very vividly and clearly. And so I did. I went back to my hospital bed and I read that chapter and I still remember sitting there reading that. And I didn't know it at the time, but that chapter and the truths in that chapter would come back over the course of the next 12 to 18 months to Mm. be such a lifeline and to be such hope for me. Because as much as that was one moment in time, it was actually Mm. just the beginning of our journey. And what are some of the truths in Romans 8? That if God is for you, who can be against Mm. you? That Mm. greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Um, That all things work together for good for those Mm. that love the Lord. That um, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells within you and will quicken your mortal body. Mm. Amazing truths. um, That nothing can separate us from the love of God. So it's just all in there. It's yeah. all in there. Yeah. It's all yeah. in there. And so that was amazing. And that really then, I guess, is the start of what happened next. Now, this all started off with you not being able to have children. So yes. how does that play into the equation? Yeah. So I didn't need any further treatment. Mm-hmm. I did have to have quite a few follow-up operations, but I didn't need any chemotherapy, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I was keen to then start the whole, let's have a baby. Mm-hmm. But because they'd removed one ovary, they actually had to remove part of my second ovary with the cyst. So I didn't actually have, (laughs) I had half an ovary remaining. Mm. And because of this, they said, really, IVF is going to be your only shot Mm. at having Mm. kids. And so I was like, okay, all right, well, let's do this. I do remember meeting with the the IVF specialist. Mm. Yeah. And I get why they're like this, but he was extraordinarily reserved about our likelihood of even conceiving with IVF. Oh, even that didn't look too good. Yeah. He, he was saying, look, guys, I've got to be honest with you here, mm. which I appreciate. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. front end. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yep. Yeah, let's be real. And he was saying that the likelihood of you guys conceiving even with IVF is slim. Okay. Oh, so wow. that's an important point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we're going down this road. And that was just a massive blow. I just remember this this whole period just being such an emotional roller coaster mm. because you have this dream and you assume yeah. that yeah. you'll get married. You'll have kids. Mm-hmm. It's just a given. Yeah. This dream is maybe not going to materialize. Yeah. I just could not believe that we were facing this and we were mm-hmm. going down this road. And the IVF doctor, amazing as he was, they didn't want to... The thing is, because I had cancer and IVF, they were like almost two issues. Mm-hmm. And so when you have cancer, there's always cells. They're always mm-hmm. worried about cancer yeah. cells yeah. and they, they mm-hmm. remove the cysts. But if we started IVF and they start poking and prodding me, is that going to you know, stir up any remaining cancerous cells because the risk is that the cancer would come back on the other side, on my other remaining ovary. Mm -hmm. And that's what all the doctors were concerned about. Mm -hmm. They weren't Mm -hmm. as concerned about us having kids. They just didn't want the cancer to come back. And so the IVF doctors did not want to touch me. And I needed to recover. My body Mm -hmm. had been through a huge operation, a huge Mm -hmm. change, and... I like to do things quickly and fast and get on with things. <laughs> That's your but personality. This is my personality. But it was slow. Mm. It was a really slow recovery, and that was hard because so, I had to. So wait. God was kind of forcing you to do the exact opposite of what you wanted to do. Exactly, He was mm. forcing us to wait, and it was such a, a time of trusting Him because we couldn't do anything. Yeah. It was out of our control. You're listening to the story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Aaron and Nick DeVincentis. Nick is a youth pastor at Life Ministry Centre on the east side of Melbourne, and Aaron is on the worship team. We'll hear more of their story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. 
or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, once again, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Aaron and Nick DeVincentis, who are sharing about Nick's journey through several health challenges and how their faith has helped them. As we'll hear, just when things look the worst, something amazing and unexpected happened. And Aaron, how are you feeling at this point? Very much like a passenger. And that's the way I can think of it, is that you you think about what your duty is in manhood as a husband and a father or Mm -hmm. whatever you are, Mm -hmm. and you think about, you know, priest, provider, protector, as I think is a really great way of encompassing those duties Mm -hmm. and obligations under God, bringing attention to that last one, which is protector. How do you protect your wife from something that you are completely outside your control? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so for me, it was very much a case of, I really learned a lot about myself during that time and about... How so? Well, I had probably relied a lot on, in the past, on my own abilities mm-hmm. to control and impact. Oh, and suddenly you're in a situation... Yeah. There's nothing Where, you can hey, do. Hey, man, you, yeah. you're not anywhere near the steering wheel here. You're at yeah. the back of the bus. Yeah. Right? And you're just... You're just a passenger, as You're you handing say. out yeah. napkins and trying to make people feel comfortable. <laughs> that's really what you're doing. Wow. You're not controlling the direction. And as a not, guy, that's the exact yeah, opposite of what yeah, we want to take charge. Yeah. And you're having these discussions with these professionals, and I'm not an aggressive person, but, but you, you want to grab stuff by the horns. Yeah, you, you want yeah. to steer this because mm-hmm. your wife is suffering. Yeah, um, and you want it to end. You want it to end, and you want to get outcome. And so, mm-hmm. for me, it was very much about well, hey, what your default is here in life, this ain't going to work here. Mm. So you, both of you are pushed out of your comfort zones. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. You know, the other added complexity is that all of our friends were having kids. Yeah, mm. oh. that was really you're all hard. around. You're, you're part of a church yeah. community. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, and again, another point of context is Nicole was incredibly private at this stage around this for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. So no one understood the context of why aren't Aaron and Nick having moving kids. on with their life and having kids? Mm. You know, we know they want to have kids. So why everybody else kids? is having kids? Everyone else is mm-hmm. having. What's the yeah. problem here? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. not it. Go at anyone because that's that's their perspective, right? Yeah. And for yeah. some people, having kids is like going and getting takeaway. <laughs> It just happens. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? For other people, it's very different. That's horses for courses, really, yeah, isn't it? Around yeah. outcomes. So to answer your question, that's that was sort of the challenge to me was that I was certainly ejected into into the passenger space mm. and, and just being really a side support to Nicole mm. where I could be. And he like he was incredibly supportive. Really, there wasn't a lot of people in our families and just the immediate pastors at church knew. Aaron was just incredibly supportive. Mm. I remember being on the couch, just crying at home and him coming home and just supporting me. And I would say that that point in our marriage, we were strong. Mm. And it was a really hard time, but I look back on that and I, I relied so much on the support and love of mm. Aaron and it got me through. Obviously, this love and support of, of God and, mm. and other people as well, but particularly mm. for Aaron, he was mm. a rock and he just comforted me, supported me in the most incredible way, and it strengthened our marriage, I would say, incredibly at that point in time. Mm. What was the lowest point in this journey? It's hard to define just one Mm. low point. I think that, again, thinking about the friends that were having kids and us Mm. just missing out. And also, you preach, as we spoke about last time, you preach from time to time. So you are as a member of the ministry, trying to encourage people to have faith in the Lord. (laughs) Nicole kept working. 
and you're struggling. So, yeah, I'm working full-time at the church. I'm running the youth group and I'm ministering from a platform and it was really hard. And you pride yourself as being real. So you're trying to be real through this whole thing. Yeah, that's true. And it was hard. It wasn't mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. But I also look back on the fact that I was in that place and as much as I cried so many tears, not necessarily on the platform, but at home, mm. it actually forced me to stay connected. It forced me to stay connected in a church community. It forced me to keep going to church, mm. keep relying on God. I wasn't allowed to escape. I wasn't allowed to run away. And sometimes mm. when we go through hard situations and when we're out of control and people face these life-changing moments, people want to run away. Mm -hmm. They want to run away from God, from others. It's Mm -hmm. too hard. Mm -hmm. It's too hard being in a church when all your friends have got kids. Mm -hmm. And I I wasn't able to. It forced me to rely on God. And so for that, I'm quite thankful. Mm. And I think at that time, I and we were certainly challenged with, we need to acknowledge and understand that God is not circumstantial. Mm. Mm. What do you mean by that? Well, God is not limited by your circumstance. Mm. He's still God. Amen. He's still sovereign mm-hmm. and he's still in control. And so that's very hard to understand when your circumstances are dark. Mm. And you've got to be careful that you don't adjust your perspective of God during that darkness. Mm. And you've got to ensure that God is still God and that his nature is still as per the Bible mm. and that it's not a circumstantial thing. And that's, that to me was super important and I had to acknowledge that and recognize that. It's like anything, right? Mm. It's easy to be happy when things are going well. You know, Somebody once told me, never question a decision in the dark that you made in the light. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what you were going through. Yeah, that's Whereas right. you're going through this darkness and it would be easy to say, oh, I don't know if I really trust in God. Yeah, absolutely. But that was a decision to trust God that you made in the light. Yeah, that's right. You, you know, got to say, stick to that. Well, who are we here, Eric? Are we, mm. you know, is Nicole and I just, well, when it's good, it's good mm. and we're up. When it's bad, it's bad and we're down, mm. you know, and, and trying to fight against that default mm. that was going to certainly consume us if we were not careful. And so that was something that was a big challenge to us and particularly me, Mm -hmm. was remaining that way. I remember praise. I love worshipping and I love praising God and Aaron's in the worship team and you know he drums and Mm -hmm. praise was incredibly important and powerful, particularly for me. When I couldn't pray and I couldn't talk to God, I could just praise. Mm -hmm. And so I would often go to a lot of hospital appointments, a lot of doctor's appointments. I'd spend a lot of time in the car driving Mm -hmm. back and forth Mm -hmm. from appointments and I'd be very emotional and very upset and I'd be thinking the worst, but I would put on worship music and I would just praise. And Mm -hmm. and I remember saying to someone that my tears were loud and so I'd turn up the volume even louder Mm -hmm. to drown out my tears and to drown out my thoughts. And it became a real weapon for me Mm -hmm. is to just praise God because it was all I could do. So if somebody was in the car behind you in the stoplight <laughs> or beside you, they, let's see, she seems like she's praising, but there's tears streaming down. It would have been an, <laughs> and not a very pretty sight. Uh, but at that point, I didn't really care exactly. what anyone exactly. thought. And so going back to your question about was there a low point, mm-hmm. I think eventually we got the go ahead. My body eventually covered, you know, months and months later, and I'd had a few more operations mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. I had a twisted bowel and there was another growth. And so mm-hmm. sort of fast forward, mm-hmm. we finally got to the point where the IVF doctor said, all right, well, let's try and start treatment. Yeah. And it's funny, I'd been waiting for us to finally start the IVF treatment. And then when it finally got there, I found that just so 
hard. I hated it. I hated going to see appointments. I felt like a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of needles. A lot of needles. By this point, I was used to needles mm. because that was just life. Mm. But I just hated the fact that I was there. I found it very, very difficult and very, very emotional. And it didn't work. That mm. was the other thing. It didn't actually work, the treatment. Um, I remember Nicole being very, I don't want this to be the way we have. I want to have kids normally. Mm. I want to have kids naturally. Mm. I don't want this. This is not us. Not looking too no. good at this point. That's right. Yeah. I just want to say, I know a lot of people have IVF mm. and it's such a great thing that mm. people Amazing. are able to access yeah. and I would never, I'm so glad that people have access to mm. that. But for me, for mm. some reason, I just really struggled mm. with the process. Yeah. So what happened? So what happened? So I remember I had to start a new course of treatment. I didn't want to and I did a pregnancy because the whole time they said, well, you know, keep trying, keep trying. It's probably not going to happen, but keep trying. And I did a pregnancy test and it was negative and so I had to go in and get my new medication. And then a week later I had to start it and I said to God, I don't want to start this. I don't want to start it. And I did another pregnancy test and it was positive. Mm. And so we had fallen pregnant naturally, which wow. was just Amazing wow. and incredible. Unbelievable. I, yeah. I remember I was sitting down eating breakfast mm-hmm. and Nicole came down with the stick. The yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, she was being a little bit precocious with it. And she said, oh, look, I'm pregnant. And I thought of myself, it wasn't computing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, <laughs> hang on. Didn't it, didn't it not work? The, the yeah. What, what's going on here? This is not right. Because at this stage, told it, it'd be drummed into us. Didn't work. Yeah, yeah, it'd be drummed yeah. into us that they're slim to none. And, and I'm, a, yeah. I'm a bit like that with regards to, I'm a realist, mm-hmm. you know. And so I was there, well, you know, this can't be right. And then it was sure enough, it was. And I was like, I was floored. Wow. Absolutely floored. And, wow. you know, I talked about praise and I know we've got to finish up. But I also remember we talked about Romans 8, the same mm-hmm. spirit that yep. dwells within us. She'll quicken your mortal body. And I used to walk every morning and pray and I would put my hand on my remaining half an ovary. Mm-hmm. And even though the doctor said, there's no eggs in there, there's no eggs in there, I used to pray, God, you can make eggs. You're my creator, mm-hmm. God. And I had many words from people throughout that year about God. And one of them was that someone prayed that I would be like the persistent widow. And so I was persistent mm-hmm. and I prayed over and over, God, quicken, Holy Spirit, quicken my mortal body. God, you can make those eggs in there. And I would pray every day and I'd pray over my body and I believe that God answered our prayers in mm-hmm. that way. And it's amazing that we had a second child mm-hmm. after yep, our first. Yep. Praise God, I had to have a cesarean. And the surgeon, as the baby comes out, you know, I'm on the table, my stomach's open, and he <laughs> looks in, and this doctor didn't know me. And all along, every time I'd been in hospital with the two kids, they'd said, oh, you must have had IVF, you must have had IVF. And we said, no, it was natural, no, it was natural. And the doctor looked at me and he said, is that your ovary? He goes, I cannot believe you've had children with that ovary. That is less than half the size of what an ovary should be. And he got out his phone and he took a photo (laughs) because he was so amazed, this surgeon, and he didn't know my history that we had been able to have two children with this tiny little ovary. So in in the medical fraternity, they were fascinated by Nicole. Yeah. It was truly quite an out-of-the-box outcome. A miracle. A miracle, a true miracle. Well done. Wow, what a remarkable journey that both of you have been on. was very bleak there for a while, but God miraculously used uh, what was left of that that little tinny ovary. That was uh, unbelievable. Any final comments you want to share with our listeners today? I think for people that are in a situation where they might feel out of control and things aren't going according to plan, 
God is still good. God Amen. is always faithful and be like a persistent widow. Read Romans 8, know mm. God's truth for you. And it might not always work out according mm. to plan. Yep. And even yep. for us, it didn't work out according to how we thought it would. Mm. Yep. But God's timing is perfect and his plan is perfect for your life. Amen. I'm just nodding. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't make that any better. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eric. For sharing your stories. My pleasure. Well, that was the conclusion of our three-part series featuring Aaron and Nick DeVincentis sharing both the highs and lows of their journey as a couple. And we want to thank them for being so open and honest about all they've gone through. It was great to hear how Nick took great comfort from God's Word in Romans chapter 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or danger? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very comforting words for all of us when going through Valley of Life experiences. God is always there for us. Well, thanks for joining us for Aaron and Nick's story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.